only then, once the consumer has gotten that, provide them with the option to actually sign up for an account and go through this kind of tedious first-time onboarding procedure. So providing value early on, I think, is really key for such scenarios. Budget overruns, brick devices, data breaches, building connected products is hard. Welcome to Over the Air, sharp, unfiltered conversations with executives about their IoT journeys, the mistakes they made, the lessons they learned, and what they wish they'd known when they started. I'm your host, Ryan Prosser. Welcome back to Over the Air, IoT Connected Devices and the Journey. My name is Ryan Prosser, CEO of Very, and today we're joined by Florian Sauter, CTO and co-founder at eGym, and we're going to be discussing building what your customers want, not what they think they want. Florian, thanks for being on the show. Yeah, great to be here. Thanks for having me. So for people who don't know, you guys have raised a gigantic amount of money, so a lot of people do know. But for those that don't, tell us a little bit about eGym. Yeah, so eGym is a tech company in the fitness space. And what we're trying to do is make the gym work for everyone. And that means we're trying to provide personalized workouts that are on the one hand fun, on the other hand, really effective. And the way we do it is with three major product categories. So the thing we started with is a fully digital electronic fitness machine. So think of it as your normal strength training machine with the weight stack, just with the weight stack replaced by an electrical motor, a nice interface that really leads you through the whole workout. Ingredient number two is a cloud system that allows gym operators to connect our machines and all the other machines on the training floor to really collect all of that great data that emerges on the training floor. And number three is a corporate wellness service where we basically allow employers to have their employees join in on the fitness journey and get even more people in for fitness and health. One of the things that jumps out about a product like yours is it seems to me that one of the big challenges has to be Replacing a trainer, like a trainer's value is that they physically force you to work out. You know, I mean, they're there, you got to do the thing. It's very hard to like, and how do you guys combat that? Because that seems like the 50% or more of the value of a trainer is actually physically like guiding you through the thing. Is that how you guys see it? And, and how have you attacked that problem? Yeah, so I think that the main issue that we want to attack here is that, first of all, few people really have access to a personal trainer all the time they work out. So the one ingredient that we want to provide is to really make it accessible for the masses and help people who do not have a personal trainer readily available all the time to also work out and get a, a similar experience close to that. Uh, and on the other hand, we also want to equip the trainer with much more data than they ever had before so they can really focus on the core of what they're doing, which is providing this personalized experience, but still make do that based on a on a set of data about your training history and what really brings you forward. What's interesting about your answer and you guys' approach, and I'm I'm kind of like, I smile, there's these terms in tech that take over, you know, and then they, you have to say them. And then after a year, you can't say them anymore. You know, they've fallen out. of. So for example, right now we're supposed to say digital twins at some point, you know, I'm required on the air every, I got to see digital twins years before, you know, I don't know, 10 years ago, it was cloud. At some point it was gamification. You know, people were talking about taking their product and gamifying it. So it was more in, engaging in the user. 
it seems like that's some version of what you guys have done here. So you're taking where you're saying, listen, nothing's worse than getting on a treadmill and just going like quick start, go. You're saying, let's make it fun. Let's make it engaging. Am I looking at that right? And, and can you expand a little bit more on like how you guys have used that to be successful? Yeah. I mean, gamification for sure is a factor and I would phrase it a bit broader, really how to, how to get people off the couch and uh, I mean, what you will find in our fitness machines is, for example, this Pac-Man style curve that allows you to basically f- be follow that and make the, the workout a little more fun, a little more exciting. But I would say that the idea is really much bigger than that. And gamification always has this notion of yeah, being just focusing on the fun part of it. And I think what we want to provide is really collect a lot more data about the whole fitness journey, everything you do inside and outside of a gym, and really combine that into a great experience that on the one hand, of course, can provide these fun and gamified elements like the Pac-Man curve, like all kinds of statistics and insights that might be motivating. But the real deal is to have that data available for the trainer and really make sure that the workout is effective at the same time. Same time. And that could mean providing the, this data to the trainer so he can, she can make sense of it. But it could also be to feed that into algorithms that help you to uh, actually progress with your workout better. And yeah, that's an aspect that, again, makes it available on a, on a much more scalable basis to much more people than the ones who could afford the personal trainer really standing next to them. So one of the things that jumps out in our previous conversations about product development, it's obviously something you guys take seriously. And it seems... You know, I think based on just hearing you talk before, nobody's looking back at those early years and bragging. You know, there I think there were some approaches you guys say, ah, that was, you know, we definitely needed to retool that. What did the search for product market fit look like for you guys then and now? Yeah, I think what I can say is that our initial approach really, I would say initially, we probably did a lot of things wrong. And one main thing here really was that we based the product pretty much on our intuition. So we thought we had all the great ideas and knew what people wanted. And I think we were very lucky that a part of it actually was what people wanted and worked out well. But we really changed our approach to product development completely and just learned so many things along the way. And I think one of the the real misconceptions, especially for engineers and very tech-driven companies, is very visible at an example in the fitness space that probably everyone knows uh, who was standing on a treadmill. Right. So on the treadmill, you have all these hundreds and hundreds of programs you can choose from on how you want to do your workout. And you can click through tons of menus and select all kinds of crazy things. But if you then watch people using a treadmill in reality inside a gym, what you will observe is that everyone just hits the quick start button and then does 30 minutes of running at an arbitrary speed. And this is neither fun nor is it effective, but it's the reality. People don't want to think about a lot how to use the product. They just want to want to go. And I think this one was one of the aha moments, really kind of watching customers, how they actually behave and taking that as a, as a guideline for product development. And in that case, it really was showing us it has to be like extremely simple. You can't expect people to just think a lot about what they now want to do and configure stuff and go all through all these crazy menus that you thought out. It has to be super simple. Go to the machine, swipe your card, and then the machine needs to be set up to what is actually effective for the person. And this is the direction we then really took and, and doubled down on. It seems 
to me that few industries have more of a trust issue than fitness equipment. I would, the, I, the barrier to getting me to enter any information in a treadmill is extremely high because I've run on enough treadmills to know these are not smart pieces of equipment, you know, and I'm going to go through this process. It could take me three minutes or whatever, which is a long time to just stand there. You know, you're just whatever. And I'm like, I think I brought all the tech with me. It's my HR strap. It's my watch, my Garmin watch. Not that Garmin is perfect. I make fun of them on the air all the time, but you know, it's better than the treadmill in terms of what is that? Can you talk about overcoming that with consumers and what you encountered and how you overcame it? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have made exactly the same observation. It's it's really hard to ask people up front to go through any kind of sign-up process and provide any kind of data up front. So what we figured um, over time is that it's really important to provide some very tangible value to the consumer very early on in the journey. And one example where we apply that on our fitness machines is that we just recently introduced a mode we call open mode that basically allows everyone in a gym to approach the machine and just kind of go start with the workout, uh, do some first strength measurements, get some first value out of that, a first assessment, a first feedback. And only then, once the consumer has gotten that, provide them with the option to actually sign up for an account and go through this kind of tedious first-time onboarding procedure. So providing value early on, I think, is really key for, for such scenarios. Florian, one of the things I like to ask about is the wrong side of impossible, kind of based on this notion that if you're a tech company, you have either solved a previously unsolved technical problem or you've solved a previously solved problem but at a different price point. What, what does that look like for you guys? This is Fitness equipment, to my eyes, doesn't appear to have changed radically, but I think there's a lot happening behind the scenes I'm not seeing. What are some of the things that, that you guys had to solve to exist, to break through, to be the company you are today? Yeah, I think it probably was not a single technology or a single thing that we, that we did differently, but rather kind of several trends coming together at the right point in time and, and us being there at the right point in time. And if you look at, at gym equipment in general, I mean, it's still mostly correct that most gym equipment is pretty non-digital pretty mechanical, not a lot of, of digital technology involved there at all. And at the time when we started the company 12 years ago, there was, I think the iPhone was on the market just for, for a couple of years. You have seen things go digital everywhere. You had this trend about APIs for everything, which, which kind of created this idea of connecting equipment also on the training floor. And then at the same time, some of the, the electrical engineering, the motor technology was just ready to get uh, to the next level of, of yeah sophistication. You could control these, these motors much more easily. And all of these things came together at the same time and I think created this magical mix of things you needed to really put it together and create a great product out of it. And I mean, then I would say from there, it, it was really a lot of iteration on the product the whole idea of a connected cloud I mean, it's kind of obvious, but nobody did it before. And I think we had this lucky situation that, that we were pretty fast in building out these things and now are in a position where I think we can claim being the market leader in that field. Florian, interesting. It sounds like you guys have approached this in a way 
that reminds me a little bit of Apple, where each individual product is excellent, but the real secret sauce is the like interplay between it all. Like that would be the most difficult to replicate piece of this. Is that correct? I think you could probably uh, draw that parallel. I think the only difference really is between what we do and what Apple does, that we really have a very open ecosystem approach here. So what we did from the very beginning is to invite all the different partners to the table and make sure we are not kind of a closed down solution, but opening it up. And I think that was part of the secret sauce as well, having this open approach, getting the other partners on board and not having this ambition to do everything on our own, which also, again, thinking from an engineering perspective is very tempting, having full control over the experience. But in terms of of creating a great ecosystem, an open approach, I think is the the right thing to do. Florian, talk to me about the future. So you guys, 13 years old, you know, I would characterize you as one of the, maybe not you, but your company, EGM, as one of the OGs of IoT. Anybody that's made it 10 years, you know, I think was, can claim to be there at some version of the beginning, especially when you look at like how much mobile and cloud have changed the game. You know, it's very difficult for people, in my opinion, that predate mobile and cloud to, I don't know, have serious bona fides as a, as a IoT company. So that'll be a hot take out there, audience. Do you, does your company predate mobile or cloud? And yet you uh, claim to be one of the serious OGs. Would love to hear from you. Back to the question though, what's next for you guys? You know, you've been around, you've done some really cool innovating, you know, 23 is just around the corner. What are folks, what can we expect to see from eGym? It's kind of funny that thinking back 12 years to the uh, initial inception of the company, we had such big dreams and only half of them have come true so far. And despite this being 12 years. So looking a bit into the future, what's next? For me, this is really combining the health and the fitness markets more. And I think this is really one of the key things that we want to do together with the whole fitness industry, making sure that gyms really are taken serious as a partner for health and really kind of blurring that line a bit more between health applications and fitness applications. And by doing that, making sure that we reduce actual things like like diseases, like pain that are related to just not moving enough. And uh, this is one of the big goals we're working towards. I love it. Well, let's just continue on this tangent of fitness. You know, I, I mentioned Garmin earlier. I wear a Garmin watch. I am so excited for the day when there is a high quality wearable that isn't a watch as an aside. I know Aura makes a ring, but they're not quite there yet for activity tracking. And I'm ready to start wearing, you know, an analog watch again. So just a aside, but what, what are you seeing in the fitness space? Like, I guess it doesn't have to be fitness per se, but this is something you probably know a thing or two about. Who's doing good work out there that you're a fan of? Yeah, so I mean, I, I think that the whole corona situation and the trend towards uh, more home fitness in that time has brought up a lot of very smart solutions, uh, a lot of very interesting stuff that you couldn't do at home. At the same time, we have seen the interest in, in these uh, products decline a little bit now that uh, COVID is over. But I think that's probably the field where the whole gym industry can learn from to, to look at these innovations that, that have been popping up there. All right, here's a curveball. What are your thoughts on VR? It doesn't have to be meta specifically, just you know, VR or AR and fitness. I see these products coming out. You know, They put the headset on. Now they're on a battlefield. They're being chased. And these people are running like 
it's the end of their life. You know, like escaping is uh, existential. That's a level of fitness I got to believe is difficult to beat, you know, someone running for their life. What are your thoughts on this industry? Is this, uh, no pun intended, but has this got legs? Well, so I'm, I'm a bit skeptical, I have to admit. So I'm skeptical for two reasons. The one thing is that I personally just can't imagine to really sweat and work out with this thing on my head, but there might be a good solution for that in the future. The other thing is that, yes, I mean, it might be very motivating to work out in such an environment. But on the other hand, I think it's also super important uh, to do the, the exercises properly. And I think there's a lot of damage to be done if you're just going like crazy. So some level of assistance and guidance, I think, is what at least most people would need. And I think this is really hard to provide in such an environment. Sure. Yeah, I suppose if, if you are running for your life, you're probably not focused on form or endurance. <laughs> it's probably also going to age you pretty quick. What? So let's do a little bit of a hot take here. You know, I, I asked you who, who, you're do, who you think is doing good work. By the way, feel free to throw a couple names out there. But I walk into a gym, and which admittedly I have not done since before COVID. I mostly, you know, just working out at home and stuff. But you walk in a gym, you don't look around and immediately feel like you're in some kind of innovation hotspot. You know, you, it, things look very similar to 10 years before or 10 years before that. And I don't see brands that I associate with innovation at all. I mean, the treadmills and the bikes and the so forth, eh, they got screens and now they've pulled TVs in and stuff, but not real innovation. Take me forward to 2032. You know, let's pick a fight here today. Who's not going to make it? What does this space look like in 2032, world according to Florian? So you just walked into a, a gym. Wow, your eyes pop out of your head. It looks totally different. And you can't believe, you know, there's 10 major brands that aren't even there. Where'd they go? You know, and then here's three you've never heard of before or whatever. What, what's your view on this? Yeah, no, I mean, of course, we have a very strong belief that the future of what you will see inside a gym is really digital end to end. And I think it's quite interesting that the home equipment market now has come up with quite a lot of innovations. So you have all the Pelotons that, that really provided good technology, provided a great experience, and basically set a new bar for what consumers would expect also from their experience inside the gym. And I think it's also completely correct that in most gyms today, there's really just pieces of metal standing around, not connected at all, not smart. So we really strongly believe that digital technology, personalized workouts, uh, that will definitely be the future. And yeah, of course, I personally would hope that uh, your gym in the future would be uh, full of VGM equipment uh, and smart training machines and feeding all that data into a smart uh, hub that, that basically provides you with feedback on how you're doing, recommends what you would do next, and also, yeah, complements the, the trainers. And yeah, just, just make sure everyone has access to this kind of technology. Any, like prediction that you're willing to go on the record today and say, I think this is a hot take. This is Florian really going out on a limb. I predict in 2032, you will or will not see X. Yeah, I predict that in 20, 2030, you'll probably not see any mechanical strength training machine on the training floor of a gym anymore. That is a hot take. That is about 60% of the current Square footage is this equipment. And you're, you're going on the record and saying, hey, by the turn of the decade, gone from most modern gyms. Yeah, absolutely. For premium gyms, I would definitely say so. F folks, you're here first. Wow. Well, Florian, thank you so much for being on the show today. Yeah, thanks for having me. 
And thank you for listening. Join us next time as we meet another IoT executive and talk about what went wrong on a journey that went right. Over the Air is brought to you by Very. To find out more about us, head over to verypossible.com and make sure to search for Over the Air and Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or anywhere else great podcasts are found. Don't forget to click subscribe to ensure you don't miss any future episodes. On behalf of the team here at Very, thanks for listening.